I'm you know, excited. I'm sorry. I picked this topic. I love this movie. It's a scary movie. It's a scary movie. And it still affects me just the same. I cannot put that on. I gotta tell you, something about this movie worked for me. I was oh, like, it rocked. So, I mean, that's kind of, that's debatable. But, I mean, it's a great movie. That, you know, I, it's my right as a viewer, as somebody who spends my money and time to go watch these films, to have my opinions and be disappointed. But that's what I love about about this group doing this podcast right now, is that on so many pages, <laughs> we're like right there with each other. But then, I mean, it, it, it's it's almost inevitable that, uh, you know, half the time we're going to go, you're out of your mind. You are out of your mind. I'm sorry, man. That's... <laughs> Welcome to the Midwest Monster Podcast, and now, here are your hosts. And welcome to another edition of the Midwest Monsters Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, I'm Matt Chan. And Professor Wagstaff. Right on. How you doing today, Professor? I'm good. I'm looking forward to uh, discussing a fun weekend we had. Right, right. The weekend in, that we're talking about right now is the Days of the Dead Convention Weekend, Indianapolis. Yes, at the end of June. Glad they, to be talking about it. Days of the Dead is one of our favorite shows. I mean, we're, we don't, we're not shy about hiding that. Yeah. Uh, we tell everybody, in fact. Um, Days of the Dead is different, man. It's still... It's... It, it gets it goes big, but still stays the show you love. Oh yeah, that's what man. we love about it. They party hard. Uh, it's they a bring, family. Oh yeah, they, it really is a family type atmosphere. Much more communal as opposed to uh, being herded through like cattle at some other shows. So right. We're always excited to cover it and talk about it, and that's what we're here to do tonight. So uh, Indianapolis, what'd you think? Uh, my initial thoughts on Indianapolis are the. I mean, it's the same as every year. It just keeps getting bigger, and it just keeps getting bigger and better. And I don't mean bigger as in, like, a con where people forget your name or they don't know you. I mean, people know who we yeah, are. Just and growth. Right, right. It's, yeah, it's, it seems to be attracting more people to it. And uh, with that kind of attraction, they bring in more guests and bigger guests. And it's just growing by leaps and bounds that way, man. Like, it's gaining more popularity. People that didn't know what it was, let's say, two years ago are now lining up at the door. You know, people that we've yeah. talked to at other cons, now we're seeing them at Days of the Dead. That's what we like, too. I like seeing lots of new faces there. Uh, how about the guests? Quite oh, a lineup. Oh, man, it was a lineup this year. Who were some of your favorites? Uh, well, the the two I was most excited to meet, which I did, and I'll go into that here shortly, but uh, was the Shining Twins, Lisa and Louise Burns, and uh, also the Tall Man from the Phantasm series, Angus Scrim. So I was quite excited for those, but... They were just a few out of, you know, quite a few. Right. Man, there were so many guests there. Uh, guests that you don't see at other cons. Like, I'd never seen Jack Noseworthy before. Yeah. Jack Noseworthy was a cool one. Um, I got to meet quite a few people that I'd been kind of holding out on. Um, I did a neat thing with uh, Sid Haig. Sid was back. Yeah, the and photo then they ops. Had, yeah, they had some convention regulars. Like, Kane Hodder was there. Mm-hmm. Bill Mosley was there. Uh, PJ Souls. From the Halloween movies and Stripes, and then uh, Felissa Rose from Sleepaway Camp, and then uh, some new faces. Yes. Got to meet uh, the kid from Detroit Rock City. I was <laughs> I don't yeah. want to call him that, but I always call him Trip, man. It's like, mm-hmm. it's Trip, bro. Like, uh, he was in Cabin Fever, man. James DeBello. He was kind of neat. I met him the first night right out the gate. 
And, um, oh man, two of my, two of my favorite, I don't want to call them favorite, but two filmmakers I really enjoyed, they were there, and that was, uh, Tim Sullivan. Yes. And, and Adam, uh, Adam Rifkin. Rifkin, thank yes. you. <laughs> I'm, I'm over here riffing and Rifkin, <laughs> right. But no, Rifkin and Sullivan were there and got to talk to them about Chillerama and 2001 Maniacs. Yeah. And all Rifkin's upcoming Those, projects. They, they were awesome guys. They really were. I talked to them for a couple hours, actually. Yeah. And then, uh, so let's talk about some of your experiences with the guests, man. Uh, well, I'll start first with uh, The Tall Man. Uh, that was a, a, a meet that I was very looking forward to. Um, if I were to tell you that I'd love the Phantasm movies my entire life, I'd be lying. It's a, it's a much more recent years, you know, development. Um, mainly from uh, our coverage when we did the episode on it, it kind of, I'd seen the first one and enjoyed it, uh, right. but that catapulted it. And so, in essence, I not only feel that I got to meet an icon of horror, but an absolute gentleman. I mean, this guy, I mean, he was just. He was the businessman. He so so friendly, um, and you know, I, I was worried too that you know he's getting older. Is this something he's still enjoying? Let me clarify: he is. Right. I mean, right. he had a walker, but he was there, loving every minute of meeting everybody. Um, I don't know if you've heard stories about when people meet him or if you've met him, but right, um, he's very interested in what you do. And, yes. and just asking you all about you. He was asking me about what I do for a living and if that was what I wanted to do forever and if I was happy with it. And, <laughs> and it was just, I mean, he was he was a very genuine man. So, um, you know, he signed my autograph. Uh, he made it out with a boy on did, it. Did so, he call you boy? Uh, no, no, no. We didn't reach into that. But he, he was an absolute delight. There was uh, some other experiences with him in a panel that I'll talk about here in a little bit. Um, but the the uh, quite the memorable uh, thing of the weekend for me was meeting the Shining Twins. Now, for those of you that have followed the show or you've listened to us before, um, I'm a huge Shining fan, but I don't hold a candle to the professor <laughs> over here, man. Like, so when those guests were announced, that you were literally the first person I messaged about yeah. this. I was like, oh my god, dude. Oh, I was just, I was so excited. They had uh, the Shining Twins slated, and then also Leah Beldum, the... Uh, she was a Swedish model. The bath, the bathtub yeah, she's girl. from the bathtub. She canceled for uh, health reasons and, oh. and travel restrictions, I think. Uh, so I was bummed, you know, to miss out on that. But I can tell you that the Shining Twins made up for that times ten, as you well know, uh, <laughs> right, Matt right. Chan. But uh, long story short, uh, the journey to our convention was not the most pleasant. Um, just on things we couldn't control, traffic. Uh, we sat in two different traffic jams before oh, we yeah, before we even got anywhere near the con- the convention center. I mean, just two different ones. You know, the weather wasn't the best, and so um, while we were sitting there in traffic, I and might I add, not moving at a complete standstill. So I was <laughs> on my phone, and I noticed on social media that uh, the Shining Twins had posted that they had just learned about uh, quarters in the United States commemorating each state on the back. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that fascinated them. They wanted to collect quarters for the three states that they had been in thus far. Now, where are they, where are they from? Uh, they're from the U.K. Okay. I, I'm not sure specifically where, off the but, top of I my mean, head. Right. But, yeah, they were, they're definitely making quite the journey. Um, 
and so they had listed the, th- the three states that they were looking for because they'd been in Texas recently, actually, down in Dallas, but they'd also been to Philadelphia at a convention, right. and then now Indiana. So I, of course, was like, oh, what the hell? I'm sitting here in traffic. I'll dig through the cup holder. And so I actually found uh, two for Pennsylvania and one for Texas. Ironically, none for the state we were in. Uh, but I was like, oh, I'll throw them in my pocket, and when I meet them, maybe uh, they haven't got them yet, and that'll be a nice little memento for them to take. Well, it, it, it couldn't have been any more true, as you witnessed, because <laughs> right. when I first went up to meet them, I placed the quarters down on the table, and they were floored. They were they, wanted, they actually started fighting over the Texas one because I only had one, and we joked about that. Um, but they were just absolutely ecstatic about it. Um, they ended up posting a picture of the quarters on their social media right. and thanking me by name. Um, as you know, I held up the line, not of my doing, but theirs, because they just kept chatting. We managed to cover everything from Jimmy Stewart's hometown to customs in the U.S. This is just at their table. Right, right. Um, and so it was a really neat experience, and they, they asked if they could, you know, make something out in the autograph mentioning the quarters, and I said, of course, put whatever you want. <laughs> so there's a funny little note on there saying if I find a second Texas to come back. Um, but it, it was a great experience that even elevated really beyond my wildest dreams as a shining nerd because later on in the evening uh, I partied a little hard, and uh, needed some fresh air, so we were sitting out front. And as you know, the crowds kind of congregate out there at times, but they really didn't this time. I don't know if new management was kind of keeping that under control or if it just was a calm moment, but we're sitting out there, and one of them, one of the twins, comes out from the restaurant and sits down next to me and recognizes me and uh, starts just, you know, making pleasantries. And I'm just, I mean, you know, I'm half gone at this point just (laughs) thinking like is this is this a dream well you know to make a long story short uh we sat we ended up sitting out there i mean it it probably was a half hour to 45 minutes just talking with the twins just talking yep with just one of them for a while um mainly about customs that they're used to in the uk that i was interested in and vice versa um so, you know, lots of little stories, which I won't bog the show down with uh, in terms of the customs, but it was absolutely fascinating to me. Um, and, and the real, the, the high point, which is great because it was right at the end of all this, was the other sister comes out and uh, is, like, not yelling at, at the other one, but saying, like, dinner has been ready. What are you doing? Come back inside. And the one, you know, they start just, you know, going back and forth and then, start including me in their conversation we end up being out there another 10 minutes with both of them and me and people are just like kind of looking at us like and we come back in the lobby and as we're walking in we're taking a step maybe i would say every three seconds because we're just so involved in conversation and i stop and think in my head i'm walking into a hotel right now with the shining twins on each side of me this it doesn't get any better than this so it was just i mean it was a fantastic experience you never know what'll happen on one of these any given convention <laughs> weekends so that that certainly is a memory i'll hold on to with uh, a lot of happiness as and a you never, fan of the shining you never imagined last time you watched the shining that that was going to happen with those yeah, people it's it, just that's so wild. awesome man yep now every time when i watch him in the hallway when danny comes around the corner i'm going to think oh yeah i hung out with them talked about Trivial things, right? <laughs> the um, 
man, if you guys have never been to a convention, we always tell you to go to a convention. But at one point, we're in, we're waiting for the um, the elevator to come down. Oh, yeah. And it stops on our floor, and it opens up, and inside is the tall man, Angus Grimm. <laughs> His people, and then on the other side of the elevator are three cone heads. <laughs> it was like Beldar Conehead, and then, you know, the Jane Curtin's character, I forget her name, and then, like, the teenage Conehead from the movie, and there were people cosplaying, and it look up, and it's like, we are from France, and it's like, that's it, dude, I'm done. Like, and there was the one guy that got on the elevator and just backed in and kind of looked at all of us yeah. as the doors closed. It's like, you have the tall man and cone heads behind you, so And this guy's just like, <laughs> he couldn't believe it either. And, man, we came around the corner because it's one of those you never know what's going to happen, man. We came around the corner, and I was waiting on the boy, you know, the mm-hmm. boy. Yep. Because we come... I don't. We weren't moving quickly, but you know when there's a crowd of people. But we just came around the corner and came face to face with the tall man. Well, my face was above his. You know, <laughs> I would thought he'd be bigger, but I know he's, yeah. he's older. But you know, you come face to face with the guy, and he's just looking at you. I'm like, oh, excuse me, excuse me. <laughs> he's just like, you're fine. And just oh, okay, sorry. It's just those little things, man. It's it's made on experiences. Yeah. And and I uh, I don't know if I've ever told you this. After a convention weekend, I always type up things that happened, right? Just to not forget them because there are literally so many. <laughs> and I mean, you go to two, three, five, ten of these things a year, you start losing some of it. And, yeah. and there's some stuff that when you go back and read it, you you, you don't want to forget it. So right. and there there certainly was many in. Uh, Indianapolis this this recent weekend. So. And you know, folks, that's what it's about, man. And they, like Days of the Dead is about making memories, man. Yeah. You go there and man, sometimes you party too much and you yeah. forget those memories, but that's part of the fun cuz then you remember, man, that one night, dude. Yeah. But it's amazing. See, I got to geek out a little bit myself, but mine was for a completely different reason and I know people are listening right now like, "Yeah, who did you meet, man?" Chan? <laughs> Look, man. Mine was Alright, <laughs> so ever since I was a kid, I've been a Corey's fan, a two Corey's fan, mm-hmm. and through the course of time, I got to meet both Corey's. I didn't have a Lost Boys poster, I wasn't, or Lost Boys anything, Right. I have a License to Drive poster and a Dream a Little Dream poster, both autographed by the Corey's, That's awesome. by both of them. I'm jealous that I didn't get to meet uh, Corey Hain before. Right. Did, did I got my singular Corey on right. with uh, Feldman, but go ahead. But so I got to, uh, I was standing in line, and I was like, man, I'm going to meet Meredith Salinger. For those of you who don't know, Meredith Salinger was in Dream a Little Dream. She's on the poster. This poster hung in my house for years. She's got the the goofy little, she's goofy little mid-dance, and um, I was like, oh, man, this is going to be great. I'm going to get to complete this. I'm a complete, I'm a completist, and there are a lot of people like me. Um, but I'm a completist when it comes to posters. It's like, oh, man, I want to get as many people as I can. Well, I'm not going to meet Jason Robards, and right. Corey's not around anymore, you know? So I was like, Meredith Salinger's going to be it. So I take it up, and she's writing somebody's autograph, and this guy's grilling her with questions that don't pertain to anything I know about her career, so I'm just kind of not there with her, but I pull my poster out of my tube, and she's just kind of looking over the shoulder, and then 
I had another poster tucked inside of it, so I unrolled it a little bit, and she saw what it was, and she her eyes light up real big, and she just kind of does the point thing, and I was just like, oh, this is awesome, dude. Yeah. So I got to meet her, we talked about that, I talked about how the poster hung, got the autograph, and she was real nice, man, and um, she was so nice, in fact, that she let me do a couple questions with her. Awesome. So I'm going to give you guys these couple questions. Here's Meredith Salinger, and we'll come back in a moment. Hey monsters, what's going on? It's Mad Chan. It's Sunday. We're at Days of the Dead. It's a slow start right now. Oh, excuse me, sir. And I'm just in everybody's way. <laughs> We're here right now with Meredith Salinger. How you doing today, Meredith? Good morning. This is awesome. So, are you enjoying yourself at the convention this weekend? I've been having a great time. I ran into my um, my longtime teenage crush, Elon Mitchell Smith from Weird Science, who happens to be sitting right next to me. He was one of our crushes too. So, I mean, I get it. <laughs> yeah, he's adorable. So, you've seen lots of fans. What's the most interesting thing you've signed this weekend? Oh, everyone seems to have brought the soundtrack for Dream a Little Dream. Like, a lot of people are really loving that soundtrack. And um, actually, when that first came out, I really liked it, too. I'd never heard Van Morrison before. I'd never heard R.E.M. before. So, that was one thing that was pretty cool to sign. Anything else? Um, nobody's brought, like, any of my action figures from the Clone Wars, which I've signed at a couple other conventions, but I think this is a different kind of convention, so maybe that's why. Do you do a lot of conventions? This is only my fourth. Oh, wow. Right on. I did Chiller, and I did Star Wars Celebration, and, um, the Hollywood Collector Show, and, the, and this, so that's it. Well, we're glad to have you. Hopefully you come back. Yeah, this was super fun. I would love to come back. Thank you, Meredith. Thank you. Well, wasn't she a delight? Actually, she really was, man. Like, she was telling me about Star Wars. Yeah. And I was like, no, no, no. I'm not here for Star Wars. You were in that movie with the Corey. <laughs> She's done a lot, though, man. You guys should definitely look her up. That was a good call on your part for, for taking the, the chance to talk with her. Oh, man, definitely. I, lo- I mean, I always try to get as much as I can, you know. But at the same time... They're still there, you know, they want to meet as many people as they can. I do, that's one thing we definitely don't do. We don't hold up lines, we don't talk to people while they're yeah. busy, you know. So we're those kind of people. Man, did you have any uh, Do you have any interactions with the nature boy, Ric Flair? I bumped into him did while you? I was waiting in line <laughs> for Angus Scrim uh, on Saturday, which I ended up changing up Sunday. Long story short, he walked by, right. and as he was walking by, he basically just, you know, pleasantries, hey, how's it going? Oh, did he talk to you? Yeah, he was like, hey. And I was like, hey. I'm waiting in line for a Sid Haig photo op. And uh, the Nature Boy gets off the elevator. He's going down. This is the first time anybody's, the fans are seeing him. He gets off the elevator. And and, uh, I was just like, to be the man, you got to beat the man. And (laughs) it was almost, you know, he's heard it a thousand times. You know, Mm -hmm. thousands of times. Not a thousand times. He's heard it thousands of times, and people are just noticing. They're like, they're like, what the hell is this guy doing? And then I was like, Space Mountain may be the oldest ride in the park, but it's got the longest line. And he's still not even, I was like, oh, man, come on, no reaction at all. And at that point, 50 people look up and notice this to Nature Boy, and it's like, Woo! Everybody <laughs> fours and woos him. And then he just kind of, he turns and gives the little chuckle smile. And yeah. I was like, is that all I had to do, man? <laughs> I, wonder, I wonder how haunting that might be to uh, go anywhere in public your entire life and just be wooed. Just, 
Like, you could be anywhere. You could be yeah. eating dinner, your mid-soup spoon, yeah. and somebody woos you. It's kind of awesome to be loved by that many people until you have to hear it all day long. But no, that's awesome. That's I just cool. Yeah, man, I thought that was great. I just, I didn't get to go up, I didn't go up and meet him, but... I was like, oh man, I gotta, I gotta woo this guy. Yeah. I, I have to woo him, well, was, and I, I didn't. Everybody else did. Yeah, it was kind of a bummer too. The Grizz couldn't be there to meet him, but I know, uh, I know. he's got, he's he, uh, he'll work to take care of that and remedy it uh, here in the. The, the, near the near future, future yeah, yeah he'll so, get to meet him. But uh, our buddy Vinny, shout out, who's been on the show before, did yes. get a chance to meet him and was quite ecstatic. So that was awesome. It seemed like Rick Ryan Blair Bones met him as well. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So it seemed like people had a, a lot of nice moments, especially uh, yeah, the with the Nature Boy. Oh yeah, so that's really cool. Big ups for na- for them bringing in Nature Boy. Yeah. I mean, he was a good. Yeah, he's that neat little guest. And see, it's it's weird. People think of horror conventions; they don't always put other things in there. You know, like, wrestling, like, who's to say that we just like horror? I mean, wrestling goes yeah. hand in hand. Like, our people seem to enjoy right. wrestling. Well, I and if you notice, I'm sure you have on social media, there's always one or two people that are like, why are you bringing a wrestler to a horror convention? And everybody always is quick to defend it, you know? Oh, yeah, definitely. It's just like, because people like other things, and a lot of times, you know, fan fans of one thing kind of run parallel with something else and that's frequent with that and I mean at the same time for the people, the diehards who are going to these things regularly, it's like we love seeing the regulars, but I can only meet Sid Haig so many times. Right. So it's exciting when they branch out, as long as that's not taking over the show, which it never does. Right. So, I mean, it's fantastic to have a Ric Flair there. That spices things up. It's funny that you said that. You're like, I can only meet Sid Haig so many <laughs> times. I've legit met Sid like six times. Which there is time. nothing wrong with. I know. Like, every time I go back up and the first time I was like, can you sign my big poster? And then the <laughs> second time it was like, hey, man, let me get an 8 by 10 And then the third time it was... Hey man, I got this little mini poster, and then the fourth time I had him sign a corpses poster, and then this last time he signed the eight by ten that I took with mm-hmm. him. Uh, he signed that, and then signed an eight by ten for somebody else for me. Yeah, and signed my big birdcage poster. Yeah, you uh, brought that. That's right. cool. So, did you tell listeners what the picture was? Oh no, no, no. Um, so Sid Haig did a photo op at Days of the Dead, his last time ever. And he wore the clown makeup from House of a Thousand Corpses and Devil's Rejects, man. He was the character. He was that character. And he got in there and flipped people off and gave you yeah, the mean he face. Looked like and, he was spicing it up. Oh, dude, he was. That's he was awesome. getting into it. I loved it, man. Yeah, it looked rad. The pictures looked awesome because they lay them out as they oh, yeah. as they're ready. <laughs> and so I glanced at a couple, and they they looked pretty awesome. See, in the I mean, photo ops, no photo ops, wherever you land on that, like. Having that Sid Haig in the yeah, in the, the makeup, great. dude, that's awesome, man, for sure. Another group of guys that we were talking about a little bit, we mentioned them a little bit earlier, is Tim Sullivan and Adam Rifkin, man. Um, you may not know their movies, but I think you would if we, when we start laying them out for you, like Sullivan especially, he did Two Thousand and One Maniacs, the sequel to Two Thousand and One Maniacs. Um, he did the his segment. I was a teenage werebear in Chillerama. Rifkin, man, Rifkin did uh, Detroit. Oh, and they he, Tim also produced Detroit Rock City. Rifkin, hmm, I didn't di- know that. Rifkin cool. directed Detroit Rock City. Rifkin wrote Small Soldiers. Yeah. Uh, he also did his segment, which was Wadzilla in Chillerama. Mm-hmm. And uh, we got to sit and talk to these guys. And I was excited because we've met Adam and Joe. Or Anyway, yeah. we, we've been around Adam and Joe. I've met Adam and Joe. And 
I never had anything chill around my sign. It was like, okay, I, I'm like I said, I'm a completist. Well, you never know, man. Right. You never know. So I was like, oh, what's the point in having Adam and Joe sign this if I'm never going to yeah, beat Rifkin and Sullivan? This was Rifkin's first convention, wasn't it? I, I don't know. I think they said that on the movie crypt, actually. I was like, oh, that was his first? So I, that's what it sounded like. Oh, so, right on. So, yeah, I mean, I could see why you would assume you wouldn't get it autographed. Right. So getting to do that, I had like a thousand questions. I wanted to know. I, I, you hear people talk about, especially Chillerama, the year you hear people talk about it all the time, and I, I wanted some inside dirt because I really did. Yeah, just, because when the we're big fans of Adam and Joe, and they have their podcast, The Movie Crypt, and very often Chillerama gets brought up, and it's danced around. It because is danced there around. Obviously, is some bad blood, and I don't mean danced around like in a negative way. It's just the reality of it. It's like. They try not to go into it too much, but clearly it's not an experience that they treat as a, you know, looking back on fondly. Right. Um, and so they always kind of allude to things, but when the opportunity was there to have, you know, conversations with the other two away from Adam and Joe, it was a, it was a pretty neat opportunity as fans to kind of talk, um, which we certainly did, especially yeah, we, you. Um when I approached Tim Sullivan about talking to him, I was like, Tim, hey, and hey, got my haze and big hug, and he's a real, oh man, just a great guy to be around, he's very full of life, he likes to talk a lot about things that he's passionate about, so I just flat out asked, I was like, Tim, can you tell me about your experience on Chillerama? And he was just, uh, do you have the time? I was like, of course I've got the <laughs> he time, He really man. did say that. Yeah, he's like, do you have the time? And I was like, sure. And he was like, no, Really? We can get into this. I was like, well, let's get into it then. And this dude proceeded to talk to us about his experience on that movie for about a good 45, 50 minutes. And we stopped, and other people came up to the table, and other people had interactions with him. But he was talking to us, so he would stop, he would sign DVDs and take pictures with people, and then come right back like, oh... I was here and just keep going just like yeah. you picked up a book and he would he was right on point with this story and it was that side of the story that you never get yeah. to hear and it was funny like as you say because he we seem to be more concerned about his table and, oh, yeah. he, and any line that may form than he was <laughs> and I don't mean that in a negative way towards oh, no, him no, it's just awesome. it's really kind of a, a cool testament to how passionate he was about wanting to talk about it because oh, yeah. he wouldn't miss a beat like you said as soon as he'd do his interaction with a fan, uh, you know, he it would just be pick right back up where he left off. And, um, you know, we won't go into a lot of what he discussed because that'd just be, you know, reckless on our part and kind right. of inappropriate. But, Plus, it was our conversation to have with him. Right. And honestly, if we had recorded an interview, we wouldn't play it. Well, <laughs> not, what he not, said. In that, you know, not in that respect. But, yeah. I mean, it's just you get those kind of things, man. If you mm-hmm. get to meet these people at conventions, you ask them the questions that you really want to know. Definitely. Guys, you can get the answers. Like, I wanted to know about Werebear because I saw yeah. Chillerama when it first came out on DVD and there were lots of questions I had about that movie, particularly about their two segments because they were, they seemed to be the two most out there. Not, not, not the Diary of Anne Frankenstein wasn't, but... Right. Those were the two that kind of interested me the most. Joe's right. wraparound and Adam's, Adam's, and and yeah. Frankenstein, they were fun. But Wadzilla and Werebear just seemed to be on a different level. Yeah, 
So I wanted to know about those, and Tim gave us all the goods, man. Yeah, he really did, and you know, it's not to be lame in the sense of like trying to hype something up and then not tell you. It's not like that. No, like, not if, at all. If, not at all. And if you run into us at a convention and you want to talk about it, definitely do. Like we'll be happy to. But it's just not our place to to share some of those nuggets um, that he, you know he did with us. Uh, but it, it was a neat experience uh, talking with him. Um, whenever an artist is that candid with you, uh, it's certainly something that you uh, appreciate and recognize even in the moment what is going on with them discussing that. So it was some pretty interesting insight uh, into a subject that you know seems to have a little hostility behind it from from both sides. Right. Um, so and you know his his neighbor at the table was just as awesome in, di- in different ways. <laughs> yes, man. Like, talking with Rifkin, Rifkin is that that guy who's full of... And not that Tim wasn't. Tim was great. But Rifkin is that guy who was like, oh, man, I love doing this, and, and I can't wait to make this movie, and this is why, and this is what I saw, and this was my vision for it, and this is why I wanted to do this. But he's also very humbled by it. Yeah. He, he's just like, nah, mate, I wasn't given anything. I, I worked for this, and I did that. And... It's real cool, man. Like, he talked to us everything about um, Riff Coogan. If you guys don't know, Riff Coogan is his um, alter ego. He created another <laughs> name unto himself. That way he could go and make exploitation films. Right. And then Riff Coogan would have one career, and Adam Rifkin would have another career. Right. And I would like to point out that we talked to Adam Rifkin exactly one week before yeah. Adam Green <laughs> and Joe right. Lynch talked to Adam Which, Rifkin. If, if you haven't listened to that yet, or the movie Crypt in general, go over and check it out after you're done with our episode. After you're done with this. But yeah, he did. He uh, I can attest to that. He did the episode one week after uh, yeah, this happened. He recorded, so. their, he recorded their episode one week after he recorded with us. So I just yes. want to put that out there. <laughs> cool guy, though. Right. It just seems like every time... Uh, Adam and Joe have a guest. It's like later we get the guest. Like they interview Tony Todd, and then one week later we had Tony Todd. And then that's true. Yeah. So on this specific in this specific case, we had Rifkin first. Now, granted, they've known him longer. Certainly. But I mean, we did talk to Rifkin about a lot of things, man. Um, would you like to roll that now? I would love to. Let's dig in. Hey, Monsters, what's going on? It's Mad Chan, and I am here with Adam Rifkin, and um, we're going to ask him a few questions right now. We're going to get a little insight into his world, and then hopefully we'll catch up with a couple others later, so we're going to start off with Adam. Adam, I got a question. So, Detroit Rock City, this is a movie that you did. I love this movie. How did you come into doing this movie? Is this something that was offered to you, or is this something you pursued? Well... I was making a film at the time called The Chase with Charlie Sheen. Chuck Sheen, that's right, baby. That's right. And uh, in the editing room of The Chase, the assistant editor, Carl Dupre, wrote a script on spec called Detroit Rock City about four kids trying to sneak into a Kiss concert in 1978. And And he asked me if I'd read it. And I read it, and I thought it was great, and I told him that. I said to him that it's probably a difficult movie to get made because Kiss isn't together and because getting Kiss's likeness and getting Kiss's songs would be really expensive. I said, but if you ever figure it out, let me know because of course I'd love to direct it. Cut to a few years later, I was working on another movie and uh, unbeknownst to me, Carl had um, approached a producer named Barry Levine 
Barry Levine used to be Kiss's photographer. So Barry Levine attached himself and gave it to Gene Simmons because he obviously knew Gene very well. Gene loved the script, attached himself, and around the same time as well, Kiss reunited for their reunion tour. Yes, 96. That's right. So now we had Kiss involved with Gene Simmons as a producer. The, the, li the original band was back together. The likenesses and the music were going to be affordable because Gene was a producer. And he partnered with one other, the two producers partnered with one additional producer named Kathleen Haas, who I happened to be dating at the time. So Kathleen said, I'm partnered on a movie. We thought maybe we'd approach you with it, see if you wanted to direct it. And she gave me the script for Detroit Rock City. I said, not only have I already read this, but I think it's great. I'm in, count me in. So we then took the package to New Line Cinema where Tim Sullivan was the reader, read it, immediately recommended to Mike DeLuca, the president of the studio, that they greenlight it right away. Right. We had our meeting within days. It was greenlit right then and there. Within three weeks of the first meeting, we were in Toronto prepping. Right on. So I got a question, man. You have such an amazing cast. Was that a lot? Was that all on your part, or how did the cast come together? Because you've got Eddie Furlong, you've got Sam Hutchins, Sam, you've got James DeBello. All these guys are amazing, and they're all already stars in their own right. And was it something that they wanted to do, or is it something you pursued these guys specifically? Well, we had a great casting director named Valerie McCaffrey, and she just brought people in that she thought I would like. And in the first day, we met. Giuseppe Andrews. Giuseppe's amazing. E exactly. Eddie Furlong and uh, James DeBello. And we cast them all right away based on just meeting them, auditioning them. They did a great job. And then it took us a while to find uh, Sam Huntington. He was on the East Coast. He sent us a, a video. We loved his audition. We, we cast him. And it just came together little by little. You know, I mean, uh, Gene's obviously, uh, you know, we obviously had a connection to Shannon Tweed through Gene. We um, we we loved Lynn Shay from all the Fairly Brothers uh, movies. We were lucky to get her to play Mrs. Bruce. Not really with New Line. You had the Shay. Well, lo that's true. That's <laughs> Just true. To put that out there. But but when we were in when we were in Canada, I, we bumped into Joe Flaherty from SCTV, and I was such a fan. And I said to him, "You got to be in this movie and play the priest." And he said. Of course. So it just all came together little by little. Dude, that's amazing, man. Like Joe Flaherty is one of those guys. Like when you watch that, the blue, what are the Butoski brothers? The I, he's amazing. Everything he does and uh, all his stand up or not stand up, but his sketch comedy that came out of Canada. He's an amazing find. So um, love that movie, man. Detroit Rock City came off. It hit me at a great time. I was uh, 17 years old when I saw this movie. It came at that right time. I know what it's like not going to see Kiss, but because I didn't see Kiss till much later, but. Sneaking off, going to see that band, that influential people. So uh, that was amazing. Um, I have to ask you about a couple other movies that hit me when I was younger. The um, Small Soldiers. Well, Small Soldiers was one that I thought was absolutely amazing because I was still young when I saw this movie. Man, I was still young, and that's something that you wrote. Was that an was that your idea, or, or did you was that a writing assignment that you got? It was a writing assignment. What happened was I had written a movie of my own called Mouse Hunt. Okay, and it was. It was bought by DreamWorks, and it got greenlit immediately, and they were looking for a writer to um, write Small Soldiers. So after Mouse Hunt, Steven Spielberg called me into his office and pit pitched me Small Soldiers okay. and, and asked me if I would be open to writing it, and I said yes. 
I said, of course, you Spielberg say. Spielberg says you want to write anything, you got to take it. Right? You say yes. So, so that's how that happened. But, but uh, the original idea for Small Soldiers that he had been toying with was that it was just going to be one toy that comes alive. But then he had this new idea. What if we had toys that are good guys and toys that are bad guys? And so he tasked me with coming up with all the different toys and all the different characters, and that was a lo load of fun. And maybe your bad guys aren't so bad. And yeah, well, aren't so good. well, in the original draft, the, the, the monsters were the bad guys and the soldiers were the good guys. Right. And then at some point while developing it, I said, let's switch it. Why not? And it they worked. and it, it just really worked. Works. It just worked. So, so that movie uh, um, turned out great, and it was a great thing to be a part of. So I have one last question. I appreciate you taking your time with us. Um, I have to ask. I want to know about your time working on Chillerama. Just so you can give as much or little detail. I love Wadzilla. I thought that was funny. Um, I'm just going to give you a little insight. Watching the movie for the first time, uh, my buddy brings it over. We put it in, and the wife is sitting up with us, and Wadzilla comes on, and she looks at me. She's a fucking really, Chad. Is this what we're watching? Like, killer sperm? And I was like, you don't understand. This is about to be amazing. And she was like, I'm going to bed. Like, flat out, she went to bed, and I sat there for the next couple hours. It's like, oh, my God, this is amazing. So if you could give us a little your insight on working on Chillerama and uh, things that you went through and actually Wadzilla and your development of it. I wanted to parody giant atomic oh, yeah. sci-fi monster attacks the city movies of the 1950s, right? Post like the apocalypse movies. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, Godzilla, you know, Gamera, you know, the uh, uh, um, Amazing Colossal Man, Tarantula, you know, there were so many movies where giant monsters attacked the city in that era, that, that post, you know, World War II, you know, atomic, you know, fervor. Everybody thought the, you know, the, the radiation was going to create giant monsters. So I wanted to do the most ridiculous monster I could think of to attack a city. And so I thought, well, what about a sperm? I thought that could be funny. Right. And, exactly. and so that was my, my main inspiration was to, to lampoon those movies. I saw all of those movies growing up watching Sven Gulli. Right. I, I grew up in Chicago. Oh, yes, I definitely. would watch Sven Gulli every Saturday. I loved, you know, and I saw all the giant, you know, monster movies. I saw all the Universal monster movies. I saw all the Hammer films. I mean, Sven Gulli was a real education of in, in, in genre for me. So, um, oh, look. Uh, oh. You were distracting. I got you. Why not? <laughs> so anyway, sorry, I digress. You're good. Um, so, and I also wanted to make, I also wanted to pay homage to Woody Allen, who's a, a hero of mine as well. And in particular, everything you always wanted to know about sex, but we're afraid to ask. There's a segment in that movie right. where he battles a giant boob. Right. And I just thought this could be a great way to combine the two things. And so uh, it was fun, and it was crazy, and we got an amazing cast, and I couldn't believe the entire time I was making it that someone gave us money for this. <laughs> I just couldn't believe it, but I, but I wasn't about to... I wasn't about to bring that up to them because they might realize, you know, the error in their ways. So we just shot it and had so much fun and, and uh, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm proud of it. Let's just say that. Oh, dude, I'm proud of it, man. Thank you. Thank yes, you. Yes, dude, definitely. 
So, Adam, if people wanted to find you on social media or follow you, or do you have any upcoming projects, things that people can look out for in the future? Well, everybody can find me on Twitter. I'm at Adam Rifkin. Anybody can find me. Please tweet me. I will happily uh, talk about anything with you on Twitter. Uh, I'm on Facebook, too. I'm kind of at my friend limit, but you can follow me on Facebook. Uh, um, and... Um, what was the other part of the question? Oh, if you had any upcoming projects. Oh yeah, yeah. So I'm just uh, uh, I made a doc I made a documentary called Giuseppe Makes a Movie about Giuseppe Andrews that just came out. Or I should say it's coming out on Blu-ray in about a week. Well, it's uh, it's on VOD now. It came out uh, earlier this year. Um, please check that out. It's about Giuseppe Andrews played one of the kids in Detroit Rock City. He's also a maverick independent filmmaker who who shoots movies in his trailer park and stars all the homeless people that live around the trailer park in all his movies. You got to check that out. And I'm also finishing Director's Cut, which is a movie that I directed, that Penn Gillette wrote. We're, we're editing it now. We just locked picture. We got some music, some sound effects to finish. That one's coming out later this year. And uh, keep an eye out for that, Director's Cut. Thank you. Well, we thank you for taking your time with us today, Adam. And we look forward to everything you got coming out in the future, man. Thank you so much. So he was just a pleasure to talk to, man. Yes. He was real cool. It's good it was times, good times. Those, they were both both interesting guys. Yeah. And I highly suggest, if you don't know their work, uh, check it out, man. It's, a, it's yeah. definitely worth your time. And uh, Rifkin had talked about upcoming stuff that was uh, happening for him. Yeah. An interesting documentary. The name is eluding me at the moment. but Giuseppe, The Giuseppe documentary? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Giuseppe was actually the kid from Detroit right. Rock City. I know he went into yeah. that, but yeah, he's the kid from Detroit Rock City. Yeah, so. So he was the fourth one. He's the only one that I haven't physically been in contact with yeah. so that was kind of interesting i'm like right on maybe you'll bring him to an an, an upcoming convention yeah. <laughs> like I'm off from one of these like come on man after especially after meeting debello that was real cool yes right on so what do you want to talk about now events events so a huge part of the fun and the weekend every time days of the dead is known as where days of the dead where the dead come to party yeah this is the convention that you party at and they do not let you down. Friday night, Iron Diamond. Oh, man. Iron Diamond, they, they never let you down. They are an 80s hair metal cover band. Yes, and they bring it. Oh, son, do they bring it. Down to the long hair and the leather clothes. And, oh, the high the high-pitching notes, bro. Iron Diamond bring it every single oh, yeah, time. They got the props, and they got the chops, too. Oh, I no, they really they're, do. They're, they're talented good. guys. They're real good. But... Along with Iron Diamond, who lays it down at Days of the Dead, we also have something on Friday nights called Scaryoke. Yes. We've talked about Scaryoke before, but Scaryoke never ceases to amaze me. Because you've got our horror crowd there, and then you get people that get up there and they can just wail, dude. Mm-hmm. Like, did you see the big guy that was singing the metal? Yeah, yeah. There, he uh, he got up there and did his thing. Uh, not even not trying to make fun. He just uh, no, not he, making he, fun, uh, dude. He yeah, was killing he, it. Uh, he, he got up there and he was doing his growl. He had the legit growl. Um, he put it down. I, at, at first, people kind of were just taken aback because right. he was intense. But uh, he had fun up there, and everybody did in the long run too. Uh, some highlights from uh, the karaoke for me was uh, watching our very own Rye Bones, Rye Bones. Uh, do his performance where at one point he brought the uh, lead actress out from Pieces of Talent yes. and uh, was dancing over her in a chair. Um, <laughs> Adolfo 
and a dolphin uh, came out in the audience. Yeah, and the guy from uh, I can't think of his name from uh, he's the vendor with Western Evil, but yeah. they uh, did a rendition together of Danzig's mother. Right, that was uh, that was notable. So yeah, it was a good time. I was knocking back the uh, the bourbon and coke <laughs> there, so it, it was a lot of fun as usual. Uh, Saturday nights they do uh, DJ Trey, DJ Trey, and you guys made it down there for that, right? Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, DJ Trey, he always gets up there. He's spinning this uh, this year's theme, or this not year, but this convention's theme was Carnival. Yeah, they had chicks up there dancing on poles, wicked clowns, cages. I mean. They, when they go all out, dude, they, they go all out, man. Yeah, I, I usually enjoy seeing what they got going on down there. I had I wasn't able to attend that portion of the weekend this time, so I was bummed to miss out. But I'm glad. Oh yeah, that definitely. The, the rest of the gang made it down to enjoy that. Didn't uh, the uh, Mr. Michael Myers himself make an appearance there, where <laughs> he came out in mask and unveiled yes. himself? So uh, Mr. Tony Moran, Tony dude, Moran. He, he was up behind <laughs> Trey, yeah, with the mask on. And then takes the mask off to reveal himself to be Michael Myers, and I'm pretty sure them overalls came off too. Yeah, yeah. For the uh, <laughs> for the fans who follow the social media of Days of the Dead, they were treated to uh, getting to see that experience if they weren't there firsthand. So, yeah, I saw that and just kind of got a chuckle out of it. It really is where horror comes to party. Literally. Oh, definitely. <laughs> if you guys, if, if you plan on coming, it's uh, we always say this, but this may be somebody's first show. It's more than lining up and meeting people, yeah. which those those are experiences unto themselves. But it's buying and searching for that action figure, that movie, that Blu-ray, the thing that you've been searching for that you can't find at Walmart, you can't find down the street. Right. That's always amazing. Or it's seeing the screenings, man. Mm-hmm. Like getting to watch the independent filmmakers. Uh, Jab Pictures always puts on the Jab Pictures 48 Hour Film Festival. Uh, that's run by Jason Hoover of Jab Pictures. He always has a great lineup, man. He stocks that thing full every mm-hmm. single time for your enjoyment. And he always brings it, man. Like uh, pieces of talent shown there. Um, Jab Pictures and Mostly Harmless Pictures did their Mostly Harmless joint run. Yeah. It was. They filmed. They had one set of film, and Jab Pictures took the film and then Mostly Harmless took the film and they each did a cut of it and they show those cuts consecutively. That's a fantastic idea. Oh, it really is, man. And uh, so they showed both of those consecutively and then afterwards they had a Q&A panel where people could come up and ask them questions. And that panel was actually hosted by somebody we know. Yeah, I heard he uh, he's a pretty big deal. Yeah, he really is. He's a BFD. <laughs> but uh, no, that panel was me actually. Yeah. Um, it was it was an honor to be asked by Hoover to do this, and I did a Q and A with him on the DVD. So it was kind of getting up there and basically doing the same thing that we'd already run over, except let it taking audience questions. You know, I asked a few questions to get the ball rolling. We did audience questions. It kind of ran over because the movies got started late. Yeah. So it ran over a little bit, but. I mean, all in all, it was an amazing time, and it was just neat to see people get out there because the questions that I had, right, like getting to hear other people's interpretations of these two movies, and they were asking basically almost the same questions. It's like I'm on to something right. because I, I'm yeah. asking the stuff that the people wanted to hear. It was it was really great. Just man. when you think you you don't have much left on the convention checklist, first. Right. For you, you go ahead and, and have yourself another one there. So that, that's pretty neat. It sounds like it was a good experience for right. you. Right. And uh, 
That panels was, that are, is panels awesome. are always a good time. Yeah. You do you went to a couple panels. I did. I got to uh, I actually got to sit in and enjoy the likes of Angus Scrim. That was actually before I met him. Right. Which was nice because then I talked to him about the panel and how <laughs> and some of the things from it um, that I really enjoyed. He had some fascinating insights into old Hollywood actually. And uh, I mean he was never a, a big time top tier actor back then. But he was involved in some of the studio system. I mean, his acting dates back into the 50s, um, which he actually addressed, you know, that it's not listed on Scream Factory's Phantasm II, uh, the Abraham Lincoln role that that he plays. It's not listed on the packaging because it was a last-minute deal where he said, I will forego the, the money. Don't pay me. Include this movie. It's important to me for it to be preserved um, and something that I'm proud of. So with, with the Phantasm Two packaging, you won't see the movie listed on there, but you, it's on there. They just did it was such a last minute thing that the art was already approved and made. Right. And so that was interesting to hear him talk about that, and and to hear the passion that he has for his craft. Right. Um, and that dude's still up on movies, like movies nowadays. Yeah, he, he's talking about actors and directors of. Yeah, he was talking about right yeah, now. movies that are going on right now. Um, and the, the icing on the cake was at the end. Uh, he had done it, I guess, in Atlanta at Days of the Dead right. uh, previously. I don't know how they arrived at this in Atlanta, but it's pretty awesome uh, because he did it again for us there in Indianapolis, which was to finish the panel. He recited by memory Annabelle Lee by Edgar Allan Poe. Wow. And, <coughs> excuse me. There was, uh, you know, the, obviously the, the panel room full of 100 plus, and you could hear a pin drop. I mean, people were just gravitating towards his words. And, you know, to hear this man going on 90 years old who is just so articulate and uh, an absolute gentleman with the way he speaks in a way that honestly is long gone. Um, and, and, that's not a good thing, you know, for the, in general. But right. but he certainly still embodies it, so it was really fun to listen to him recite that. And quite impressive. I mean, it's not just four lines. Right. Uh, so he rattled it all off, and I actually <clears throat> addressed that with him at the table when I was meeting him, how impressed I was with it and really enjoyed it. So that, that was nice fuel for our interaction. Uh, and then I also sat in on the, uh, I think it's just the Killers panel. I can't remember. <laughs> Excuse me, getting over a cold. Uh, I can't remember the exact title of the panel, but it consisted of um, Sid Haig and Kane Hodder, Bill Mosley, and, um, oh, my brain's freezing up right now. Tony Moran? No. I could have swore that we had a fourth person there. It wasn't Tony Moran? Hmm. No. I don't think so. Oh, well. Maybe it was. Anyways. I mean, that would yeah. be the way I'd go. <laughs> I'd bring Michael Myers into the picture, but that's yeah. just me. <clears throat> it, was, uh, it was a lot of fun. It was, it was, it was a lot of, of, uh, of comfort that they have with each other from being around at these conventions so many times. Um, on the way in, it was kind of funny because Kane Hodder just beelined straight towards me. And he was like, you! And I was like... Oh God! Because I mean, this guy's got a reputation as a prankster right. and and bullying, but in a fun way. Oh, I can. T- I'm gonna tell you about that here in a minute. <laughs> but um, he uh, he he points to me and starts walking over, but then he raises a fist towards me and he goes hatchet hatchet army because I had the t-shirt on <laughs> and gave me the fist bump. So I was uh, impressed and also incredibly relieved that he wasn't going to injure me. 
Um, but uh, the, the panel was a lot of fun. There was uh, some interesting, you know, little tidbits that they threw out there. Like uh, a standout moment was Sid Haig talking about how Adam Adam Green just had absolutely the stones and, and how impressed he was with what he did with Hatchet 2 and going against the ratings board. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then uh, some interesting conversation really between Kane Hodder and Bill Mosley about stuff that they've worked on together, like uh, the ambulance movie Old 37. Yeah, dude, I haven't seen that yet. It's coming out in October, um, I think on DVD to buy at that point. Cool. Um, they also talked about a, a movie they'd worked on previously called Smothered. They gave a spoiler, which was a very funny one, but I won't do that just in the event that you know people might not want it ruined. Uh, <laughs> but it has to do with a uh, large-chested woman and uh, maybe she is a killer. I don't know. Oh. But that was a movie they worked on together. So it was just, you know, kind of your, I don't want to say typical, because I don't want to sound dismissive of it. It was just a lot of fun, um, like you always get from those guys. Right. So, yeah, those were those were the panels that I was able to attend and had fun at both of them. See, like, Kane Hodder's so fun at conventions. If So, if for those of you that read his book, we've talked to him before about it. We've talked on the show about it. In Kane Hodder's book, he specifically says he hates it when people come up and poke him in the chest. He said, oh, do yeah. not come up and poke me in the chest. So, whenever we walk by Kane and he's down or he doesn't have a line, we mess with him a little bit. And he always takes it in stride because he's that funny guy. Right. So, I was sitting there, and I was like, oh, and Rybones was dressed up like 8-Bit Jason. I was like, hey, look, Bones, that guy kind of looks like you. And he looks up, and he looks up, and he says something. I forget, because I forget what it was, but Ryan kind of motioned toward him, and then he was like, I'll get you. And I was like, oh, oh, what are you going to do? You're going to get me, big man? Come get me. <laughs> and then uh, he just kind of, he kind of chuckled at me, and he was like, I will get you. And I was like, yeah. I was like... What if I come over there and poke you in the chest? And he was just like, I don't suggest you do that. And I was like, <laughs> really now? And just kind of left it on and on. Yeah. And then later on, we're walking, and Kane sees me, and he smiles at me. And my wife was with me, and I grabbed her, and I pulled her back out of the way. <laughs> like he was a perch snatcher or something. I literally grabbed her and pulled her out of the way. And he looks at me, he's like, oh, come on, man, what's your problem? And I was just like, apparently, sir... You are. <laughs> he goes, and he just and he just uh, chuckled at me and just walked away. And then he's walking by later, and uh, I was like, "Hey, Kane," and he's like, "What? Were you gonna fuck with me again?" I was like, "Apparently, I'm gonna have to." And he goes, "I'm gonna get you." And then he smacked me in the chest, <laughs> and I'm like, "Ha ha ha!" He was, and, you know, it was all in stride. Pats me on the back. And he was just like, you guys having fun? I was like, of course we're having fun, man. We're Midwest monsters. He was like, yeah, and he goes on. And he, as soon as he walked away, I was like, Because <laughs> he wasn't being a dick, you know. It's, just, yeah. it's, that, it's that playful ribbing. You, he's not my brother, but that playful ribbing you'd give a relative or something. Right. You know? And I just we just rib him like that all the time. And he just ribs back, except when that cat goes to play with you. He's like a, he's like that full grown puppy trying to play with the little puppy. Right. Yeah. And, and then at some point you remember, oh, this is Jason Voorhees. This it's dude like, is big. It's, there's a reason he's yeah. that guy. Yeah, and I it just came to me too. I think what a, why I was having trouble remembering the other person is because there wasn't one. It, I, in my mind, I was like envisioning it, but there were two 
moderators okay. on the panel. So it was just those three. So, well, there were four of them in Chicago. Right, and that's what threw me off, too, I think, a little bit. So right. the correction on that. Something else that it just uh, made me think of because of where his table was, was uh, one of the first things we had that weekend when we were just kind of getting checked in and getting down on the floor was uh, running into Felissa Rose right. and her demanding hugs. I mean, that's oh, dude, just that was... such a convention moment. It's like, there's Angela from uh, Sleepaway Camp, who appears had, to recognize us. We've had so many interactions with her at this point. You know, we did that Sleepaway Camp show, and you hear, like, Grizz talking about it. It's like, oh, I want to meet her so bad. And then, cut to now, and we really did. We walked by, and I was like, hello, beautiful. And she was like, you going to walk by without giving me hugs? You guys, come here. <laughs> and we walk over, and we give her hugs. Now, granted, she could have been drunk and give everybody hugs, that would have been Saturday, yeah. but I mean, no, but seriously, but she's, hey, she saw us and I, came right over to I can attest to it. to it. I think uh, there was some leftover Chicago there. She's well, they, it was, and plus, uh, you know, we'd saw her, the three of us had seen her in Scranton. Yeah. Just Todd, Rybones, and myself saw her in Scranton, and that was this past year. So, I mean, I've seen her like four times this past year. Yeah. So, yeah, man, but she's awesome, and she really was does like to hang out and party and remember people, and you only get those kind of interactions at conventions, man. Yeah, and that's why she's great for Days of the Dead. Oh, definitely. she wants to be down there in a communal sense, meeting people and making friends and having fun. So, yeah, it was nice to see her pop up there again. Man, it's... I can't say too many nice things about Days of the... You know... Yeah. Like, there's so much. A couple weekends a year that we just cherish and look forward to. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's, it's... it's more fun each time we go, and that's nothing to say anything against the previous shows. It's right. Just, it just, uh, we have fun more and more each time. I mean, who knows, maybe one day we'll start branching out into their further shows. But for now, we know there's two shows a year, two weekends, that we are going to have a blast. Oh, definitely, man. Indianapolis and Chicago are definitely, I mean, you're always going to find us there, and you'll find us there reporting about those and bringing it back to you guys, yeah. because it's what we like to do. Yeah, I mean, it's, there's a feeling on Sunday evening that's like kind of comparative to, to leaving summer camp. Exactly. Like, and I'll, I'll see y'all again in six months. Like, the next convention that we're going to with them is four and a half months away at this point. Yep. But it's like, all right, man, I'm already there. Yeah, I'm there in my head, like, the bag's already halfway packed, and I know who I'm going to, yeah. I'm starting to line up who it's I'm going to interview Christmas. and meet. Exactly, man. Yes. And I think that's the great thing about it, is because as soon as that one's over, you're ready to move on to the next one. Yes. Which, I can't wait. Chicago will be fun. Uh, we kind of champion that as our favorite weekend, period. Yeah. Nothing against Indianapolis. It's a blast. But something special that goes on, you know, up there in Chicago on that weekend. So we're definitely looking forward to that. But uh, lots of uh, fun events, um, you know, that we, we did over this this recent weekend. It was it was a blast as always. So we always recommend, like, yeah, you know, you could come try it out for an afternoon, pay your ticket, and meet a couple people, buy a couple things. But you really want to... You know, put yourself deeper into the weekend. I mean, go go lose two hours in you know and just in watching a movie with, right, with man. Jab something that you would never go watch. Right, and I've had some great experiences with that. I mean, uh, we watched Jessica Cameron's movie Truth or Dare in Chicago yeah. at, at a screening there with that. Pieces of Talent. Pieces of Talent, I'm, I, which I really really like that. Time movie. to Kill. Yeah. Um, so Run. oh, there's tons of them. Man. Catch a lot of good movies at those things. The panels can really um, 
not only enrich your weekend, but your your experience as a fan and movies that you love. Um, you're kind of being a part of a DVD extra in a sense is the kind of the easiest way to describe it. So, um, it, and I think it's fantastic that you had such a good experience with your panel. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, you know, with the guys and run, uh, it sounds like that re- went really well. Hopefully, that can uh, continue for you in some capacity down the road. It seemed like you really enjoyed it. So, oh yeah, that's awesome. All right, man. Are we about ready to wrap this one up? Yeah, yep. Uh, I just want to give a quick shout out. Uh, my favorite purchase of the weekend would be a couple of T-shirts oh, I got yes, yes. Um, from Atomic Cotton, which they're very they're at the shows. So stop by their table. They have cool shirts, and I promise you, I have discussed nothing with them about this. I have nothing to gain from this other right. than I like the work that they do. So. Well, and that's the thing, man. You go to enough of these things, you meet those vendors, you know who you like and who's got the stuff that you want. Yes. And that's that's where you had. What'd you get? Uh, I got a Rosemary's Baby shirt and Ooh. Jaws. Right on. Which are both very cool. They do some really neat stuff. I think the next one I want from them is the Red River Rock and roll, Red station. River Rock and That's Roll, cool, man. You cool gotta shirt. get that. Um, so yeah, lots of cool vendors. I picked up some movies, and then the usual, the magnets, the koozies. You know, just <laughs> you know, just adding to that amass that I have of right a collection on. of those little things. So well, not only I mean, uh, I was lucky enough to get a couple copies of J- of uh, Run from Jab, yeah. and that was pretty awesome. Yeah, I did pick up a couple movies. Right, uh, Headless was another one I got. You picked up Headless. I got a uh, Bloodsucker Jones. Nice. That's that. They were there. That's another independent film. I picked up Bloodsucker Jones. I also I picked up Street Trash on Blu-ray. Yes, which uh, recent or not recently will be uh, coming up soon on an episode. <laughs> spoiler alert. Right, right. So I did pick that up, and just a couple other little knickknacks here and there. You know, yeah. picked They'll up those be- little. You gotta have them. Yeah, there's some great vendors at this show. Oh, and there always is, man. Yeah. So. If you guys are interested, it is www.daysofthedead.net. Yes. We are at midwestmonsters.net. You can like and come to Facebook. Yeah, check out social media. Exactly, definitely. Um, and we'll be back at you guys soon, hopefully yes. with more convention coverage. Yes, check out their uh, Chicago page. They've already got a few guests listed. So. Oh, should we, should we name drop real quick? Yeah, sure. Elvira's going to be there, guys. Cassandra Peterson. She's going to be doing a photo op in the costume. You're going to get to take a photo with Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. C. Thomas Howe's going to be there. And Michael Naughton's going to be there. Uh, C. Thomas Howe, you guys would know from The Outsiders. Uh, Michael Naughton, or C. Thomas Howe was also in E.T. Michael Naughton was in E.T. Yep. And they just made a few more announcements today. You guys check out their social media. They're on Facebook under Days of the Dead. We're on Facebook under Midwest Monsters Podcast. You have multiple months to get it together, folks. Come join us in the Windy City. It's going to be a fun weekend. We guarantee that. So for the Midwest Monsters, I'm Mad Chan. And Professor Wagstaff. Thanks for listening, guys. Bye.